Hey everybody, before we get started, I gotta let you know about my upcoming dates. As of right now, I am in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, it's West Jordan Landing, but whatever, if you're hearing this, by the time I post it, this is uh, this already happened. The shows went great, thank you for your support. Um, uh, other than that, I have a tour of the Midwest coming up, uh, where I am starting in Indianapolis, August 12th and then August 13th I am in Milwaukee August 14th I am in Chicago and August 15th I am in Minneapolis uh, and then August 24th or 20 I think the 24th I'm in Memphis and then I'm doing a tour of Texas first week of September with my buddy Dustin Nickerson we are gonna be in San Antonio Houston Dallas and Austin uh, go to ZoltanComedy.com. All these dates are up on my site. Get your tickets quickly, especially for Minneapolis and Indianapolis. Uh, you're running out. I think there's like a dozen tickets left for Minneapolis and a little more than a dozen tickets left for Indianapolis. So all the Annapolises are selling well. Uh, don't miss out. Come support. Do the right thing. How do you do? Uh, don't forget to leave a five-star review on iTunes and all that good stuff. Other than that, thank you for listening. Thank you for being you. And uh, why don't you say it with me? Uh, let's hit the music. This week in Zoltan. So is that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to This Week in Zoltan. Coming at you on a beautiful July Saturday. I know the date. It's the 17th, and I'm here in... Uh, I'm looking out my hotel window right now, looking into West Jordan Landing, Utah. I'm performing at Wise Guys Comedy Club, staying at the Residence Inn, because I'm a Marriott Bonvoy Silver Elite member. That's what I've been talking about all weekend. I'm just so pumped on statuses, and because uh, I never went to college, and they're just important to me, because that's all I have. You know, in my line of work, there's only so many things you can show. Uh, excellence at, you know, what am I supposed to pull out my YouTube view count to share with somebody? No, I'm going to share with them that I'm a Marriott Bonvoy Gold Medallion Silver Elite How Do You Do member. And I just got bumped up to Delta Platinum Medallion. I'm, dude, I'm going to be a diamond encrusted medallion member before the end of the year. I can feel it in my heart. It's going to happen. Uh, how are you, huh? I didn't even ask you. You good? You good? Everyone's healthy? No one's dead? Staying away from the Delta variant? Mmm. I, um... I don't know. I, uh, I'm out here. I'm living my life. I, uh... I have a bunch of shows coming up. They've been exciting. It's been good to be back home. That's been a lot of the, uh, the good parts of just being back. I'm done playing Jesus in, uh, in Tulsa. I survived. I think I did an alright job, so we made it. I'm, I'm excited to see what the movie looks like. I guess we're going to find out uh, in November. Tentatively, November 6th is the premiere date, so I'll be flying out to Tulsa uh, to, see, uh, to see how it all came together. Hopefully good. I'm trying to get comfortable. I don't know if you guys, the people watching on video on YouTube, I think they can figure out how weird it is. I'm trying to get the right lighting with the camera. I got the microphone set up ever so slightly. There it is. Uh, I think we're doing good. Oh, and I got my notes on everything I wanted to talk about right there. Oh, good. These are all things I'm supposed to do before I hit record. 
That's how a professional podcast is done. Nothing about me is professional, alright? You saw the quality of Modern Mail. The jokes were good, but it was just a camera thrown in the background. That's kind of how I like to do my thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm out there traveling again. And, uh, I, dude, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an, I have, I have the vaccine and I'm, so I'm not an anti-vaccine person. Uh, but after seeing all the people that are jam-packed with me at the airport, we got to stop pushing this vaccine. There's two, there's so many, there's so many of us and no one knows how to act. I'm reading articles, flight attendants are getting punched in the face and cussed out and flipped off. And uh, I had my middle seat taken by an elderly woman and her granddaughter. Get this. So I'm, I'm getting on a fully full flight, and I got a window seat. That's the only thing I have to look forward to. I didn't get upgraded to Delta Comfort or First Class. So I'm in the back with the peasants and the farm animals. And the only thing I have to look forward to is I'm like, well, at least I got a window seat so I can lean my head on the wall, and I never have to get up for anyone to use the bathroom I can just be left alone in my window seat with my head against the wall, but that's not what happened. As I walk up to my seat, uh, I look, and there's a little girl in my seat, in it. Like, not just peering from her middle seat through my window. She's in my window seat. she got her juice box set up, stuffed animals everywhere. And then before I even had a chance to say anything, an older woman from across the aisle sitting in the middle seat over there goes, excuse me, sir, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind changing seats with me so I can sit with my granddaughter. My mind was blown. She was pretty much saying, hey, can you take my crappy middle seat because my granddaughter already stole your seat. That's gone. You don't have a seat. I'm actually doing this as a service to you. So instead of sitting in a middle seat next to the little girl who stole your window seat, why don't you sit in my middle seat uh, in between two bohemoths? Huh? How about that? This is why I'm against... I have the vaccine, but I'm not into pushing it for the rest of the population. We don't need these people. We don't need people that think they have a bargaining chip with two middle seats. If case you're getting used to traveling again and you, you just out of the loop, let me break it down for you. If you have a middle seat, you have no bargaining chips anywhere with anyone on a plane. And these people had two middle seats across the aisle from each other. That's like having two nothings in a game of blackjack. You got nothing. That's like showing up with celery sticks to, a, to an elementary school cafeteria and expecting to get someone's Hershey Kisses. You're not getting nothing, buddy, because you got nothing. But she asked so loudly if I could give up my seat so this grandma can uh, sit with her seat thief of a daughter, granddaughter. Uh, she said it so loud, everyone on the plane heard. So now everyone's looking at me, going, oh, is this, uh, is this, is this, is this straight white male devil gonna give up his seat? And then I did. I said, yeah, yeah, you can have my seat. And then I sat in her middle seat between these two bohemoths, and I just stewed for the entire flight, angry, steam coming out of my ears. I could feel my pulse in my neck. Have you ever had that? Where you're so upset you can feel your pulse coming out of your neck. I was about to have an aneurysm. Very upset. But I didn't say anything. 
you know, it's a grandma. And it wasn't even a regular grandma. She looked like Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. She looked like, you know, she's like, well, you never, she's one of those people, you never know unless you ask. You got to be inquisitive, kids. She was one of those types of people. She had her dumb bucket hat on. And not because it just came back in style, because she never stopped wearing it from the time she saw a Woody Allen movie in the 70s. So I'm very upset in my newly found crampy middle seat. Then when we land, I go to get up. And as I'm getting ready to get out, I see her on the other side. She's getting antsy. She's getting antsy like she's about to cut me off on getting off the plane. And I went, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, mm, huh? No. And I flung, I flung an arm out there into the aisle, my elbow. I threw it. I didn't hit her, but I also didn't miss. And I got out of there first. I'm like, you know what? You can, uh, you can something me once. But you try me twice, and uh, there's going to be body parts flying at you. That's just how it goes. I don't know if that was too aggressive, but I've been saying this story on stage for the last two nights, or the last night here in, uh, in Utah, and these people seem to be into it. Which I was surprised, because, um, you know, Utah... Utah gets a weird rep, because there's two very distinct, distinct group of people here. Utah... You know, people just think, oh, it's like religious people, like Mormons, you know, and then that's it. And it's not true. There's religious people, and then there's heathens. Those are the two groups of people in Utah. There's people that are like, I have church on Sunday. Uh, have a blessed day. And then you'll meet someone else, and they'll be like, hi, I cook meth in a graveyard. Because it's not that uh, uh, occupied with other people, and uh, the spirits leave me alone. Those are the two types of people I've met out here in Utah the last few times, and I kind of like it. I like it. It's a good mix of two uh, very different ends of the spectrum, and I think they meld together well, which I think gives our country hope, because that's what I always look for. Anytime I notice how much people hate each other, I love going to a part of the country where two very different groups of people live together uh, but they make it work and i feel like utah makes it work the only place they don't make it work is at the bar because i remember the last time i came out here uh after the shows i went out with the comedians and we went to a bar and i i'm like hey i'm gonna get us a round of shots and i went to the bar and i'm like hi i'd like eight shots of fireball or whatever the hell i got and then the bartender goes, okay, uh, where are your people? And I'm like, what? What do you mean my people? And then I turn, and all the people I was going to buy shots for are from Utah. They're standing behind me, like, ready to be counted. And then the bartender just very quickly counted us like baby ducks. And once he got to eight, he goes, okay. And then he poured us the shots. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then one of my buddies who's from Utah goes, oh, here, there's a drinking rule that says you can only have one drink uh, at a time. So you can't order, like, a shot and a beer or, or, like, two beers or two shots. You can't do that for one person. It's so, And they did that to regulate the amount of drinking that happens here. Uh, and that rule was clearly made by a group of people that do not drink because that bar was the drunkest people I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've traveled the world, all right? I've drank in, in Scotland. 
uh, in the UK, man, where I saw a man in his 50s get arrested in, in the afternoon, get held down and zip-tied while he cussed out the cops in a plea to let him go. Uh, these people in Utah were drunker than that because they were being limited to one drink at a time and no one was sitting there nursing their drink. They were just pounding it at the bar and go, hey, hey barkeep, before you leave, I'll do another. You can't have non-drinkers make drinking rules. That's dumb. You need someone with experience. It's like if, if you had me make religious rules. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to do something where you go, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, stay out of the drinking. Hire an alcoholic. That's what you need to do. You want to make drinking rules for your state? Go to a rehab center and find someone who's got like six sober chips or something and be like, hey, uh, how should we regulate alcohol? And he'll tell you. Same with drugs. Find, go to a rehab center. Find out, you know, someone who's out of there. And they, go, they probably have a funny haircut and they put on a little weight. And ask them, how do we regulate drugs? I, I think they would know. They have a little bit of experience. Maybe that's too simple, but that's where my simple brain works. Anyway, that was my middle seat terrorist. Um, I've had a great couple weeks. I, uh, I watched UFC on, uh, on Saturday. People say that uh, toxic masculinity is dead. It is not. It just costs $60 on ESPN Plus, and UFC will gladly entertain you with a three-hour extravaganza of, uh, of toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity isn't all bad, alright? I guess it's just bad to be in a relationship with, or to be raised by, I guess, I don't know. Uh, but it's fun. You can't tell me toxic masculinity isn't fun. That's what the UFC is. It's two dudes going into a cage, punching each other, and before they do, they're going to insult each other and their wives uh, if you're Conor McGregor. And then you go handle it with your fists in a cage in front of screaming, drunk, rabid fa- It's amazing. It's amazing. Retired athletes are doing play-by-play. They're bloated, but they're strong. It's fun. You order a pizza. You sit on the couch. You judge fighters that can easily kick your ass, but you're like, oh, he should have done blah, blah, blah. It's amazing. Toxic masculinity still exists. It just comes with a surcharge uh, that I will gladly pay because it's entertaining. Um, Conor McGregor broke his leg. I don't know if you watched it. My girlfriend watched it with me. She was extremely grossed out. Uh, Although she was very entertained by the event, but she was grossed out by the broken leg. And um, I was... uh, When Conor broke his leg, it reminded me that if there's a young, brash arrogant, smart-ass fighter that you hate, just wait, because eventually their body falls apart, and then you can have your revenge, because I used to not like Conor McGregor, you know, five, you know, a few years ago, he was a loudmouth, I was like, man, I wish someone would punt his head into the fifth row, and then I just had to wait, and now he's 32, and his legs fall off all the time, and he doesn't win as many fights anymore, and you know what the only problem is? Now it's been so long, I kind of like him now. So now I felt bad. So that is the downside. But anytime there's an arrogant fighter, or any athlete, any athlete, except for Tom Brady, because that guy drinks baby's blood. I don't know what he does. But most athletes, other than Tom Brady, uh, if you hate him, you just have to wait patiently. 
and eventually their bodies fall apart and all that trash talking they did in their youth comes back to haunt them and then they're just there. It was great. Conor McGregor broke his leg and we had a good round. He broke his leg at the end of round one and then the fight ended because uh, toxic masculinity does have rules. Um, and Joe Rogan interviewed him on the ground and he was blither- he was so mad and he has that thick accent. I didn't understand a damn thing he said. I think he said bloke uh, a couple times and I understood nothing else. And then all I heard him say is like, your wife slid into my DMs. He was yelling at the guy he just fought, this guy Dustin Poirier, who I also feel bad for. Uh, we'll get to that in one second, but he's his leg's broken. He's being interviewed while sitting down, and he's still cussing everybody out, calling out this his opponent's wife. And I'm just sitting at home with my girlfriend, thoroughly entertained. Yeah, I know. It's not professional wrestling. It's not the sport I grew up on where everyone's, you know, everyone's pretending. But it's still very entertaining. And here's why I feel bad for Dustin, because Dustin Poirier who is a really good fighter, uh, and he's really nice. He seems like a kind guy. He, even after all the trash talk from Connor and trash talking him after the fight, he goes, I, I hope he goes home to his beautiful family. He said all the right things, all the right things, after a guy he hated, and he's fought now three times, just broke his leg, and the fight kind of ended anticlimactically. He still had, like, the class to be polite and say all the right things. And at the end of the fight, you go on Twitter, and Dustin Poirier's name is nowhere. It's all McGregor. It's all... And that's a shame. Because Poirier's now beaten him twice. He's a class act. And unfortunately, at least in today's day and age, a class act is a snoozer. No one's talking about him. People like these Jake Pauls and Conor McGregor's they like these loudmouths. That's who they like. Our last president. Big loudmouth. I'll make fun of that guy. This guy. Blah, blah, blah. And people like that. And then if you're just over there like, well, you know, I hope he goes home to his beautiful family. And uh, I'm going to go fight for a championship now. And I'm going to work really hard. And I'm going to try to win. People are like, huh? Can you get the camera over to the guy laying on the cage with the snapped leg who's cussing about that guy's wife? Because that's, that's pretty insane. It's a weird world we live in, but that's uh, that is the state of affairs. Oh, um, oh, my shoulder hurts. I'm falling apart. I was <laughs> I was supposed to get shoulder surgery this year, and I didn't do it because uh, I don't know. I just never made the phone call. I bought the insurance. I bought the health insurance, and then after four months of making no progress and paying top dollar for this Kaiser Permanente health insurance. I was like, I'm done, and then I called it off, and then my arm hurts more. Uh, Speaking of shoulders, and there is a segue here, pro wrestler Paul Orndorff passed away. Uh, He was a big star in the 80s and into the 90s, and uh, he passed away uh, uh, this week. Um, He's great. Uh, You can find, like, there's so many things today that are, you know, not looked down upon. But there's a great, when he was a bad guy wrestler in the 80s, he did put out like a workout promo where he had a group of people that he was helping exercise and he was just fat shaming them and calling them losers and saying how they're never going to be as fit. I don't know, it's just entertaining 
to see insults from like 1985 in 2021 because you're like, ah, they're they're gonna cancel him, and then you're like, oh no, he's dead. He's safe. He's safe as can be. I'm gonna retweet this. Uh, but the the shoulder connection. So Paul Orndorff, uh, Mr. Wonderful. He had uh, the body of someone named Mr. Wonderful, and not the shark on Shark Tank, because that guy is just an average schlub. But Mr. Wonderful's jacked-up human being. But in the '90s, he had uh, elbow soldier, elbow or shoulder. I think it's shoulder surgery, and they they messed up the surgery. So I guess they killed a bunch of nerves in his arm. So he had one small arm after the surgery and one big arm and he still wrestled for like five years in wcw but you can google uh paul orndorff's arms and you have to look for the photos in the 90s because in the 80s he was fine he, was, he looked like arnold schwarzenegger but if you go to the 90s photos you just see one jacked up arm and one thin but still cut arm it's weird it answered the question like what would you look like if you just worked out one arm you know, no one ever did it because no one ever wanted to be had to have that arm. But you can see it in this photo. It's it's odd. It looks exactly how you'd expect. Uh, if you're imagining it right now, it looks like that. They're both evenly tanned. One was 24 inch biceps, and the other one, uh, my arms. <laughs> that was the that was the trade off there. But R.I.P. to Paul Orndorff. I very much enjoyed his matches. His feud with Hulk Hogan. That was the first big, like, he and Hulk Hogan were friends, and then he turned his back on Hogan in a tag team match. It was, uh, it was the first time, I think, on a national level that you saw that kind of betrayal. And now, you know, you expect it all the time. Anytime two wrestlers tag team, you're like, that guy's going to screw the other one over right now. And then it happens. But back in 1985, uh, they didn't do that every week. Um, what else do I want to talk about? I got screwed off. I don't like Hot Pot. Can I say that without getting in trouble? Uh, Emma and I went to a Hot Pot dinner. And I'd been to Hot Pot before. And I kind of forgot about it. And then she found a place down the street from where I was doing a show in North Park. And uh, we went. I don't get what the big craze is. They give you a boiling pot of soup. That tastes good. I like that. I got the spicy miso. And then they give you... I don't like restaurants where I got to do it. I'm not into that. Unless it's cheaper. Unless I'm getting a really good discount. Or a paycheck at the end of it. I don't want to do any of it. I just bring it. Just bring it to me. And I'll be happy. But hot pot, you cook it yourself. They give you a big boiling pot of soup. Which I very much enjoyed. And then they give you a big tray of vegetables and whatever kind of meat you want. So I got like the high-end beef. I got the Wagyu, grass-fed, met both of his parents and they stayed together, uh, beef, Wagyu. And then they, but they bring them to you in these little thin sliced salami cuts. And that's when I knew I got ripped off. Because, well, first of all, how about the fact that that's not how I enjoy steak. All right, I love steak. I want to go to a steakhouse or something, but I don't. When I daydreaming about delicious steak, I'm not like, hey, can you slice it salami thin, and then I want it prepared the way all good steaks should be prepared, boiled. Then you boil it in the soup, and then you eat it. It doesn't taste bad. It doesn't taste great. 
And also, why are you upselling me on this Wagyu beef? Because when it's cut that thin, you can't tell the difference between delicious, grass-fed, both their parents stuck together, uh, Japanese passport-carrying beef, or some $2 chuck roast that you got at the grocery store on a manager special. When it's cut paper thin and you're boiling it so you can eat, you can't tell the difference. And then at the end of the... $72. to boil my own food. No thank you, Hot Pot. No thank you. And then I tweeted that. And I, uh, I shared it on Instagram. And this guy left a comment saying... I guess he was Japanese. And he goes, this is extremely disrespectful to my culture. But I, I miss the old Zoltan. And I, I guess... This is the new you. Like he said one of those douchey things, so I deleted his comment. So he posted again, so I deleted it, then blocked him. And uh, and then I turned to my girlfriend, I'm like, what? I, I can't make fun of Hot Pot? Somehow that's an indictment of the entire country of Japan? I enjoy Japanese cuisine. I very much enjoy ramen and sushi. i just uh, not a big fan of Hot Pot. Is that allowed? Or is now am I like one of those guys? Is that how it starts? Is that how becoming one of those like boomer guys starts? You like make fun of Hot Pot and then slowly the next time you look in the mirror you're wearing a visor and you're like, what's going on? And then you turn to your girlfriend and she goes, what? You got a goatee? And I'm like, I have a goatee. And then you look back in the mirror and you're like, I have a goatee. And then you look down and you're just wearing flip-flops and your ugly toes are going over the top holding it like a, like a falcon's claws. Is that how it happens? Help us all if it is, because I hope it isn't. Um, but I'm not a fan of Hot Pot. I think it's kind of overrated and expensive. Maybe it's the place I've went to, because to be fair, I think I've only done Hot Pot two or three times. And each time, I have always had that same kind of feeling. Why am I doing the work? And if I am, shouldn't it be cheaper? And then you find out it isn't, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Um, <laughs> just, just do it for me. How much? I'm going out to eat. I'm not here to work. I could do this at home too. Although, to be fair, I don't have the meat cutter to make, uh, to make a delicious piece of steak as thin as like cold cuts for sandwiches. So I guess they do have me there. Anyway, um, other than that, here we go. Oh, I got a show recommendation for you guys. Uh, Working Moms on Netflix. I don't know if you guys are watching it. I st- Emma and I started watching it last week. And we've already plowed through uh, season one. We're well into season. Hilarious show. It's super funny. Um, it's super funny, and it makes me want to get a vasectomy all at the same time, which is everything you could ask for from a show. I want to be entertained and warned of my future if I decide to have children. Uh, the show is about, uh, I guess they follow four moms. There's like six of them. But there's like three main moms. Each one of them kind of live a different life. One is a very successful, uh, she works in like the ad agency or something. So she's like in that field. The other one is a therapist. The other one is like a real estate agent, but she's going through postpartum depression. And the first mom that's working in the ad agency, she's trying to like still be, she's trying to still chase her career and her goals and her dreams while also being a mom. And it's... If anything, that move that show shows that that is hard. That is hard and not fun, 
and I don't want it. I st- I whoa. I was watching that show, and Emma, Emma and I turned to each other. I'm like, yeah, I don't want kids. Do you want kids? I thought I wanted kids. I don't want kids if you gotta stop having dreams. Can you still chase your dreams with children? Is that still allowed? Can you do that? Is it okay? Because this show, in a very humorous and hilarious way, is showing you that it is uh, stupidly hard. And there's a lot of roadblocks. I still want to achieve my dreams. I think that's important. Because then if you have kids and you give up on your dreams, and you just put all your effort into your kid, then they grow up with the dream. And then they go after it, but then they stop because they end up having a kid. And then the cycle continues, and then before you know it, you all live down the street from each other. I don't want that. I, I, you know? I still want to travel to Utah and perform <laughs> in a strip mall. And stay at a hotel that's across the street from a tent that sells fireworks, which is a whole other story. There's a tent out there that sells fireworks, and... I don't know. I don't get people's fascination with... I love firework shows, like the big professional extravaganzas. I'm into that. But the uh, just the ones that blow your hand off in a parking lot while your friends shockingly can't decide if they're supposed to run away or help you. I don't get it. Just have some pros do it. It's bigger and better. They make smiley faces, and they make the good ones where it rains down. What are you doing doing it yourself? How many hands need to blow off until people just stop buying fireworks and realize it's not for you? Even the pros mess up. There's a football player. uh, I forgot his name. Jason Pierre-Paul, was it? He blew his hand off. Now he has to play with a weird glove that doesn't have all the fingers on it. You want that? You want to walk around with a weird glove with not all the fingers on it? Or you just want to go to the park with a blanket and sit with your loved ones and watch a professional show? Just watch a professional show. Why is there a tent out there with fireworks? By the way, it's 100 degrees in Utah right now. It's 100 degrees, and every other building and every other store is indoors with air conditioning, but there's just a tarp with explosives under it that you can buy in 100-degree heat. And I want the opportunity to continue living this dream without having a kid slow me down. Anyway, I think that's the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening, downloading, sharing, and subscribing. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, and if you want to support monetarily, you can join my YouTube page, and for a monthly fee, uh, you send me money. Uh, There's more information. Go to youtube.com slash ZoltanCassis. Don't forget to see me live in uh, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Minneapolis, Memphis, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and Austin, ZoltanComedy.com for all those dates. Other than that, sayonara, see you later. I love you all, and until next time, uh, bye. I'm ending the recording.